We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome into the LakersNation.com podcast. Lots going on in the world of the Los Angeles Lakers, including no longer being in the play-in tournament as of this moment. We'll see. That could certainly change by the end of the season. We've got a lot to discuss, including a bit of a fired-up Russell Westbrook that we saw after the game against the Dallas Mavericks last night when we're recording this, most of you watching this, two nights ago. Ron Gutterman from LakersNation.com joining me. Ron, how are you doing? Doing all right. It's been, uh, I mean, just just another ugly game uh, on Tuesday against the Mavericks. Uh, I mean, Lebr- no LeBron, no AD, so I don't know what we expected. But man, that that was just it. There was never a moment where it looked like they were even putting up a fight. There wasn't even a moment. Well, and that, I mean, I guess that really leads us into our our first topic, which that's. Russell Westbrook, and he was getting a little bit fired up after the game, got into it with uh, with Brad Turner of the LA Times, and kind of threw questions back at him, saying, what would you change? What would you change uh, based on what's what we've seen? And Turner said, well, winning. <laughs> right? like we would, winning is something that, that I would change. What was your take on that whole back and forth, that argument that, that went down between those two? Yeah, I mean, I think... You know, Brad Turner asked a pretty reasonable question, which was, you know, you guys are out of the play-in tournament now. If if, if we ended the season right now, you guys would not even be in the play-in. Mm-hmm. You're tied, but you don't have the tiebreaker. What does that change for you in the last seven games or so of the season, eight games? And Russell Westbrook said, nothing. What would it change? And Brad Turner says, winning. <laughs> Maybe just for a change, you might try that. The Lakers are four and thirteen since the All Star break. You might try winning a couple games, and I like. It's hard for me to side with Russell Westbrook because, like, you you can't your your stance can't be what's there to change, right? You know, there there of course there's something to change. You're four and thirteen in your last seventeen games. Something can be better. Like this team. Even if they were at their best, they're not winning a championship. They're probably not even getting out of the first round if they're at their absolute peak best basketball. But what we've seen the last 17 games 
is not their absolute peak best basketball, which means something can change and something can get better. So it's hard for me to take what Russell Westbrook says at face value. And it's like, you, you know, man, you, you just lost a, you just lost by a lot of points and you're out of the play in tournament when you thought this team was a championship team at the beginning of the season. Like what you, your answer can't be nothing can change. What are, what are we supposed to do? I, I understand Russ coming out of that game being a little bit, maybe a little bit grumpy, right? I mean, given that, given that you just got your teeth kicked in all night long, that's, um, that's not a fun experience. But when you're, if you, if you flip that from the, the media side of it, what you're looking for, what you're trying to get is, is, yeah, th this is not where we want to be, obviously. Uh, you know, not even being being in the play-in is one thing, but not even being in the play-in, like this tells us we really have to take our game to another level or we really have to kick it in. We got to perform on the floor. Something You want to hear some kind of determination, like, like no, we're going to fight and we're going to make sure this isn't where we're at. Um, you also want to hear, you know, do we do we have to play with desperation? That's kind of what you're you're trying to find out. Right? Where is that that drive? Where is the motivation for the end of the season? Is Russ going to say something that tells you how determined the team is to dig their way out of this? That that's really what you're what you're asking when you say what changes over the, this next time period. You want to hear what the mindset is of the team and what it is that they're going to do to try to fix this. And so I understand, again, Russ, there probably are things that they're going to do and maybe the mentality needs to shift. But when you hear nothing, that's that's not a good sign. But again, understanding that he's probably not in the best mood in that moment and doesn't really feel like answering that question. So I don't believe that nothing is the truthful answer there. But it's I understand why the question was asked. I don't think it's that. I, I didn't think it was anything that was offensive or anything like that. I think Russ was just upset after a tough game and just didn't want to answer any question in particular. Not not to say that that question was specifically offensive in any way. Yeah, and I think this isn't really in defense of Russell Westbrook, but also if you're Brad Turner, you got to know who Russell Westbrook is. Like he he is not one who's known to give out straight good answers at at press conferences post game, especially after losses. Mm -hmm. He is known for this kind of stuff. And uh, look, I'm I'm one of those people that doesn't necessarily hate that. I, I do think that players are entitled to be, you know, frustrated after losses and not want to give these detailed answers and just want to answer the questions as quickly as possible and get home. I get that. Uh, so if you're Brad Turner, you got to know, like, OK, maybe maybe I'm not going to get the answer I'm looking for. I might as well move on. But. Credit to both of them for kind of like talking about it in the video. It shows the last 30 seconds. The two of them are kind of like going back and forth as as Westbrook's about to leave the room. Like I, I liked that they had that little back and forth being like, OK, Russ is basically saying that's a dumb question because, you know, if you can't tell me what we need to do other than winning, why should I tell you what mm. we need to do other than start winning? And Turner's saying, well, you're the pro basketball player here. So you know, obviously you're going to know better than me. It, it was a good back and forth. I, I kind of, I thought it was pretty entertaining. Um, and it's kind of a thing where both sides are a little bit at fault there because Turner's got to know who he's talking to. And and Westbrook at a certain point has to answer a question, like straight up. See, I, I don't think he has to worry about who, he, who he's talking to. I don't think that just because Russ has this 
this temperament. He's got this, and he can be great in interviews. There's times where he's he's fantastic, but every once in a while, you just catch him, and he's just not in the mood to answer questions. And look, let's face it, we we all have those days, right? Uh, but Russ is kind of known for this. But if you're asking the questions, I don't want to walk on eggshells just because I know the guy might give me an answer that is a is where he's a little bit upset or something like that. I I think he should still get asked the same, get asked the same whether it's LeBron, whether it's Malik Monk, whoever, Stanley Johnson, Austin Reeves. I think I still want, I still want just coming from the fan perspective, I still want Brad Turner to go ahead and ask that question. If it's me asking the question, I'm going to ask and try to ask the same questions of the players um, and, and, and coaches as well, regardless, even if they may make them a little bit upset. And Russ actually got up abruptly. It wasn't like the press conference ended. He was going to leave. He ended it. He he ended, he ended it. it. He he was upset by the question and, and was going to walk out. Again, he's frustrated with the situation. But then that, that brings us to this, Ron. What, what is the answer to this question? What should change? Given that Russ obviously didn't want to answer it. He threw it back at Brad Turner and said, what would you change? I think the only way Turner's response could have... He said, you're the professional basketball player. You, you tell me. The only way it could have gotten better is if, is if BT just went into like... Oh, well, I'd like to see you do this on your pick and roll coverage. I'd like to see you do this, this, and this. That would have been pretty funny. But what is it that actually needs to change from here, from our perspective for the Lakers down the final, whatever it is, they've got six, seven games left. What needs to happen if they are going to make the play-in tournament, aside from the obvious of just winning games? I think I think it's a mindset thing. I, I really do. You know, X's and O's. Frank Vogel is is a is a good X's and O's coach defensively. He's not great offensively. Like we know what Frank Vogel is at this point. Um, he, for all the criticism he's gotten throughout the year, he's right on the rotations as they exist now. If if the team is relatively healthy, you know, if LeBron's in, if Westbrook's in, if AD's in, he he has the rotation down correctly, right? Mm-hmm. Young guys get most of the run. Austin Reeves has has a longer leash. Malik Monk can play as much as he wants. Stanley Johnson, Wendy and Gabriel, like he's correct on the rotation. So it's less a matter of getting the right players out there at this point. It's more about a mindset thing. This team, they they play with passion and energy maybe once every five games. Mm-hmm. And and that that doesn't cut it. That that really just doesn't cut it at all at this point in the season. And for the rest of the way. You know, on Monday, we talked about the Lakers need to match wins with the Spurs the rest of the way. Now they can't do that because the Spurs are the tiebreaker. So they need to out they need to outwin the Spurs the rest of the way. They have a very hard schedule. And we've seen enough times this year. We have enough of a body of evidence to say if the Lakers give 100 percent effort, they can beat some of the better teams in the league on any given night. Now, they, they can't beat the Suns. On any night, <laughs> they've shown that throughout this season that mm-hmm. they can't beat the Suns on any night, but they absolutely can beat the Jazz on any night. They haven't lost to the Jazz yet this season, I don't believe. Uh, they can beat the Warriors on any night. They can beat, you know, some of the better teams in the league that they're going to be playing over the next two weeks. The Nuggets, they can beat these teams if they're playing at full effort and full strength and full energy and passion. Uh, but the problem is we just don't see that enough, and that's the big thing that needs to change. It's it's less about the basketball at this point and more about the mindset. Aside from, you know, Russ's little spat with with BT, 
for most of the season, the Lakers have said the right things in press conferences and things like that about playing desperate, about effort, about whatever it is that they need to do, and then haven't executed that on the floor. And that was echoed, the game against the Mavs right before it. Frank Vogel said they're treating every game from here on out like it's a playoff game. And then they were down by 30 against the Mavs. <laughs> After the game, Stanley Johnson Classic. was asked, has the team quit? Have you guys given up? He said, no. He said, no, that's not the game. Well, no, we're not quitting. We're under contract for the Lakers. We signed on. We said we would play with heart and effort and all of that. And that's what we're going to do. Nobody's quitting. Do you buy it based on what we're seeing on the floor? I think that's the biggest thing. What the on the court stuff has to back up the words. And I don't, I don't think they consistently have done that. Yeah, no, they, they, they have not matched up their words at all this season. Um, you know, from the beginning of the year, it was we're a championship team. We know that. And then they were playing as if they clearly knew they weren't. Mm -hmm. And then they started backing away from the championship talk and saying, you know, we, we still have the tools to make this a great season. And then they weren't playing like that either. And it, it's the whole year. It's been a battle of they're saying all the right things off the court and then they get on the court and it's like they forgot everything they said. Uh, that's kind of been the way it's gone all year. Frank Vogel is probably one of the only people that isn't at fault of that. Because he just straight up says, like, yeah, no, this is, yeah, yeah, this is bad. This is pretty bad. I'm aware. You don't have to tell me. He called it his wor uh, the worst coaching season of his career. Yeah. And he was on the Orlando Magic. <laughs> yeah. Like, the Orlando Magic are probably a bottom five franchise. No offense to the Orlando Magic. Uh, they're just... No. That's just what they are at this no, point. It's, it's like it's like everybody's taking shots of the Magic. Draymond the other night when the Magic beat <laughs> beat the Warriors. No disrespect to the Orlando Magic, but they're the worst team in the NBA. No, no offense to the Magic, but they're awful. They're terrible. <laughs> Maybe they're not bottom five. They might be bottom ten. They do have two finals appearances <laughs> in their history. Uh, credit to them for that. Uh, so I guess maybe bottom ten franchise. But when Frank Vogel was on the Magic, he was the Magic head coach during some of their worst years. Mm -hmm. uh, if if that's not worse, like that that's very bad. That's a very bad statement on what the season has been. So credit to Frank Vogel for being honest, mm -hmm. but the rest the players have not been honest. Uh, either they're either not honest when they talk, or they firmly believe it when they talk. But then when they get on the court, they don't care. That's the issue. Right. Right. Yeah, that that I think is and that's what irks fans or upsets fans. And that's why. So I go in, you know, I, I do the the Lakers press conferences and things. I don't do the post games because we're busy doing our, our live post game show. But Ryan Ward and, and Daniel Starkin are in there for us. But I'm in, you know, all the, the practice media sessions and the, the pregame media sessions and all that kind of stuff. And I'll live tweet them and I'll, I'll put them out there. And anytime Frank Vogel says just about anything particularly given the team, the effort they're going to put in, those tweets just get blasted, right? By by Lakers fans, by non-Lakers fans that are just, just making fun of Frank Vogel and everything that he's saying. But this is why. Because he'll say, oh yeah, we're treating every game like it's a playoff game. And then they go out and they're down 30. You just, you don't back any of that up. And so people are saying, clearly this is just, it's just talk. It's just talk and they're saying the right things, but they are not actually showing it on the floor. So I think more than anything else, just show it. 
show it on the court. And it doesn't even necessarily have to be a win. Play with that intensity, play with that effort, show that pride, that respect for putting on the jersey, and then maybe fans will be less anxious to see these guys finally get those jerseys off of them, right? Get get this team to go away. That's where I see a lot of fans at. We don't want to see these guys in Lakers uniforms anymore. If they were playing with that kind of heart and that kind of effort every single night, that's probably not not the case if you saw them competing to the best of their ability. But of course, they haven't been. Now, the flip side of that is when you're playing against a team that's red hot from three, and that is just raining threes on you and just hitting everything, that's that's difficult. That's difficult to continue playing with 150% effort the entire game yeah. every single time, whether that's your job or not. And you could say, well, you're getting paid to do that and all of that. Understandable, but still, human nature is a thing. So that's the flip side to this. But I think from the fan perspective, at least seeing them go all out down the stretch and not just pack it in and say, well, let's run out the clock and then uh, let's make some some, uh, vacation plans here. That's not what you want to see from the fan perspective. And I think that would go a long way towards helping them finish out the season the right way. Yeah, definitely. I actually, this is very off topic, but it's a podcast, so we're allowed to do that, I think. Uh, this was brought up in our Lakers Nation group chat, mm-hmm. and, and you didn't respond. A couple people didn't respond. That's okay. But who's a better coach, Frank Vogel or Jason Kidd? Oh, was that in there? I didn't even see that. I It was basically, it was literally just me, Sean, and Ryan, I think. We had, we had sent back like maybe five or six texts about it. Okay. Because Sean, Sean said, would you rather have Frank Vogel or Jason Kidd? And Ryan said, Jason Kidd, because this team, like, fits him, his style better. Mm -hmm. And I said, yeah, Frank's a better coach, but Jason Kidd probably is better for the specific roster they have right now. Sure. And Sean said, I disagree that Frank's a better coach than Jason Kidd. Jason Kidd's a better coach. And so I had, I am now, like, I'm at a loss for words that people actually think that. Like, to me, it's not even close who's a better coach, Vogel or Kidd. Well, I mean, how do you measure who's a who's a better coach? You look at their team, right, and what their teams have done. Jason Kidd has a history of not doing well, but his team right now is doing very well. The Mavs are one of the hottest teams in the NBA. They've looked a lot better. Well, are they doing well? Are they doing well because they have Jason Kidd? But that's that's the question, right? And, and this is what I see from from most Lakers fans is they look back and we can say Frank Vogel is a good coach because he won an NBA championship. A lot of Lakers fans right now, because we're mired in it, because we're in the thick of this season that has been, again, probably the worst season in terms of an emotional roller coaster and all of that in, in Lakers history. This is probably the worst. So we are looking at it through that lens, but I'm seeing a lot of fans that are saying, oh, well, Frank Vogel won a championship, but now we're seeing he's really not a good coach. His coaching didn't win a championship. Now, from what we're seeing now, it's very clear he won a championship because LeBron and Anthony Davis were so good that season and you had the the right pieces around them and all of that. It wasn't Frank Vogel's coaching. So they're taking away credit from Frank Vogel winning that championship back then and be based on what's happening right now. And right now, Jason Kidd's team looks much, much better than the Lakers do. And so therefore, Jason Kidd is a better coach because the stuff that yeah. he did that wasn't good is in the past and we're in the present right now and we tend to be prisoner of the moment. Yeah, I I understand why it just bothers me because I don't think 
I don't think the Mavericks are better because of Jason Kidd. Like, he didn't come in. Like, Luka's rookie year, they were seventh. Then his second year, they were sixth. Mm -hmm. And now they're fourth. Like, they didn't they didn't drastically improve as a, like, they're not infinitely better. And if they are better, it's because Luca's better. He's, this is his best season. Like, so I don't, yeah, to me, to me, it's nothing to do. A J kid is a, is a fine coach, but I, I would have Frank Vogel over him in a heartbeat every time. Um, I mean, I think defensively Jason Kidd brings some things, but again, how much of that is Frank Vogel? Right? How much of that? How much of that is stuff that he picked up from Vogel? Because I think Vogel is a good defensive coach. I think he is. I think he's a good defensive coach. But the Mavericks right now are seventh in defensive rating on the season. On the season, the Mavs are are seventh. What are they? What did they rank last season? Because I mean, that's I think where you'd really see a difference. Yeah. Um. Doing this on the fly. This is great. Great podcast. Great podcasting here. Great job. I know they weren't they weren't seventh. I thought they were middle of the pack. Yeah, last year. I think they were. Let me see. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I'm missing them. They must be somewhere right in the middle. Oh no, they were 21st in defensive rating last year. So I mean, that's a pretty significant that's a improvement. That's a jump. I mean, but again, you can say, did Jason Kidd pick up that stuff from Frank Vogel? Did you know they were in net rating last season? The Mavs were 10th, 10th in net rating last season. This season, they are ninth. Yeah, last year the Mavericks had like, <laughs> but their one offense of the was really good offenses. last year. Yeah, ever they had like one of the best offenses ever last season, and this year they just have a very good offense. Like, mm-hmm. it's not the best ever; it's just very good. But in any event, the question of you know Frank Vogel versus Jason Kidd, one coach versus another, how big of a difference can this make? A lot of it, it's it's not even necessarily all the X's and O's. A lot of it is how bought in is the team going to be. Right? How much is the team going to respond? And I think that's the piece to this. Like, would this team be responding to Jason Kidd differently than Frank Vogel? And I think had Jason Kidd stayed with the Lakers as an, as an assistant this year, we would have found out. We would have found out. Frank Vogel would have been gone by what December, January, and Jason Kidd would have taken over the team. I think that probably would have happened. But again, it's can you get the players to buy in? And every coach has a shelf life. Every coach has a shelf life, right? Whether it's Frank Vogel, whether it's Phil Jackson, whoever, 
every coach has a point where the players eventually, if you have a consistent team, start to tune out the message. Maybe we've hit that point with Frank Vogel, and maybe we wouldn't be hitting that point with Jason Kidd. I don't know. I think I think that matters too. Yeah. How is that message received? Do the players buy into what you're saying? Do they execute on the floor and back up what they're saying off the floor, which is where this whole conversation started? That, I think, is a major factor too when we're looking at, at coaches and how effective they are or aren't. Okay, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's all fair points. I really just wanted to see if I was crazy uh, for for thinking what I thought, but I don't know. Probably, uh, if I look at the comments after this, they will gladly tell me that I'm an insane person uh, and that Jason Kidd is 20 times the coach uh, Frank Vogel is. Uh, so, you know, looking forward to that, really. <laughs> no, Ron, I think, I think you can make an argument either way. I really think, think that you yeah. can. I think that that's if we take the step back. Like, a couple of years from now, we'll be able to do this better, right? But right now, in the moment, the Frank Vogel's got a really bad team. And, and they're not playing well. And they look bad. And they're frustrating. And Jason Kidd's got a team that's surging. And he's been talked about as, I mean, Frank Vogel called him the coach of the year. I don't, and he has the player that if the entire NBA was redrafted today would go number one. Uh, that that does tend to matter as so, well. I think yeah, that'd be good. Yes. So those are those are important things. But I'm saying that's where people will get. It's hard yeah. to argue that right now because people will focus on where we're at at this moment rather than what we've seen historically with Jason Kidd not doing well and then Frank Vogel having won a championship. That gets discounted. Where a few years from now, maybe that doesn't just because of yeah. the time that we're in at this at this moment. Anyway, uh, you mentioned Jason Kidd having his guy, having Luka. The Lakers might be getting their guys back. Is this all they need to finally get going to finish the season, at least finish it out the right way? Anthony Davis might be back Friday against the Pelicans. LeBron sounds like he's going to be out Thursday against the Jazz, but maybe, fingers crossed, he could be back on Friday against the Pelicans as well. I can say this. They don't make a run to get back into the plan if they don't have those guys. But if they do, if they do come Friday, think they can pull it off if they get LeBron and AD back on Friday? Yeah. With LeBron and AD, yeah, you can you can pull anything off, really. I mean, within reason. They're not getting out of the first round, even yeah, if sure. they have LeBron and AD. But, but still, I, I think, yeah, absolutely you can pull it off. I think there's probably an internal battle within the San Antonio Spurs right now of tank for the draft pick or stick it to those Lakers. And that's mainly Greg Popovich saying that. And everyone <laughs> else is like, hey, guys, we need to tank for this draft pick. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's probably an internal battle going on over there. But I think if LeBron and AD are in the lineup for the last six games, mm -hmm. I think it would be six games if they both came back on Friday. That would be sort of a okay, we can make a little bit of a run here, get into the play-in, maybe even have home court uh, against the Pelicans and try to go from there. So right now, the Spurs, in terms of the tank race, would have the ninth pick if everything was just chalk. The Lakers would have the eighth pick. If you're the San Antonio Spurs, if you're a Spurs fan, would you rather the Lakers leapfrog you and you dropped it? You're not catching catching, falling enough to, to get to the where the Blazers are at, um, to get to the the seven spot. You're not doing that. It's too big of a gap. If you're a Spurs fan, though, would you rather 
go from from nine to eight and then not even be in the plan? Or would you rather have the satisfaction of beating the Lakers? You could risk catching the Wizards. You're only a game back of them. You could risk catching the Pelicans. You're only a game back of them. And then next thing you know, you go from nine to what? 12 potentially can move up to. Uh, Or I guess you'd you'd move to 11, but what, what are you pulling for here? If you're a Spurs fan? I mean, I would say you want as good of odds as the number one pick as possible. Yeah. Um, yeah, but that's what I would have to say. You would you need you need to be you need to have the highest odds possible for the number one pick. But I get at as fans, you you want you to see your team play more. You want mm-hmm. to see you know your team make the play in tournament and try to make a run. But every game you win is is a game more removed from potentially having the number one pick. Where if you're at nine or ten or eleven on on draft lottery day, it's just less likely. So here's here's threading the needle if you're the Spurs. And so this and we're by the way, this is obviously the LakersNation.com podcast. We're gonna look at everything through a Lakers lens, but what we want to figure out here, the reason why we're having this discussion, is we want to see what the Spurs motivation is. Are they really gonna push hard for wins? Threading the needle for the Spurs would be doing this. Would be knocking the Lakers out of out of the play-in and then losing both your play-in games. Right? Because then you get the satisfaction of beating the Lakers, knocking them out, and embarrassing the Lakers. And then you can keep your lottery odds fairly high. But as of right now, again, where things are sitting at this moment, here's the danger for San Antonio. The Lakers in the eight spot have a 23.5% chance of getting a top four overall pick. God, that's too high. I don't want to see anybody get that big from the Lakers. <laughs> the Spurs have a 23.1% chance of getting a top four overall pick. The Lakers have a 5.3% chance of getting number one overall. The Spurs have a 5.2% chance. So you're talking about 0.4%. Not even 1%. 0.4. That's the difference. Derek Fisher. There you go, San Antonio. I'll rub that in a little bit. <laughs> we got them. Point point four. Got you on that. Point four is the is the difference in terms of jumping into into the top four right now, between where the Lakers are at currently and the Spurs are at currently. So, again, if I'm San Antonio, I'm okay with sticking right where I'm at at nine. If I have to sacrifice point four percent, and I get the satisfaction of knocking the Lakers out, I'm okay with that. But again, you have to kind of thread the needle because next thing you know, if you leapfrog Washington and New Orleans, suddenly. You go from point from twenty three percent chance to eleven point seven percent chance. Yeah, that that's a big that's a big drop off. So again, the safest thing for the Spurs to do would be to lose, but it doesn't look like that's what they intend to do. They've won four in a row, um, tied for the second longest winning streak in the West right now, behind just the Grizzlies, who have a five game winning streak going. You know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shea Serrano. And we are back. 
We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture-themed trophies for six basketball-related activities. Trophies like the Dominic Toretto I Live My Life a Quarter Mile at a Time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina Wine Mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. They have the third, yeah, they have the third, uh, third la- la- longest win streak in the West. Oh, who did I miss? Suns, they so, have won eight straight. Oh, the Suns have. Yep, there they are. They're so far. The Suns, they're so far. The Suns don't lose. Yeah, the Suns don't lose basketball games. You're, they're so yet. far. Down, they're so far up on my list. They weren't even on my screen because there's. That's how far ahead of everybody else they are. <laughs> yeah. That, so and they played the Grizzlies uh, tonight. But by the time this comes out, they will have already played the Grizzlies. Mm-hmm. So um, I guess you you want to pretend that they lost or won that game. <laughs> uh, oh man, if they that's that's the thing. Lakers Nation, that's what we have to be cautious of here. If the Spurs pick up any wins in games you would not expect them to win, like let's say they beat the Grizzlies tonight, that's big, big, big trouble for the Lakers because they have two wins that are... Just put them on on their record. They have two games against the Blazers. The Blazers barely have a basketball team right now. So they've got two games where it's like... It's like if your teacher told you all you have to do is write your name on your test and hand it in and you get an A+. That's these two games against the Blazers, more or less. No disrespect to the Blazers. Okay, that was pretty disrespectful. But <laughs> but that's that's just the Blazers, are. they don't really have a team out there. They're just killed by injuries, and they're not trying to win right now and all of that. So those are just kind of automatic wins for the Spurs. So if, you, if, the, if the Spurs somehow pick up a win against, like, the Grizzlies or somebody like that, that's big trouble for the Lakers because they already have two nearly automatic wins coming up on their schedule. Yeah, I mean, by the way, can you name the Blazers' starting five from their most recent game? No. How many of the starting five can you name from the Blazers' most recent oh, game? Oh, my gosh. I mean, that, I, I haven't even looked to see how devastating it is. I'm, I'm thinking Drew Eubanks was in there. Yeah, um, he was. He scored 27 points in their in their loss yeah, to the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yes. Yeah, and, and by the way, Thunder uh, Blazers fans were celebrating that the Thunder were able to beat them in their, their yep. tank race there. But yeah, I have not looked at that at, to see exactly what they've got out there on the floor. Um, I know it has been not 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 pretty for Portland. It's ugly. I I I can't. I know. I technically know three of these guys, but I don't really know. Like <laughs> I, I know them by name. I know them by nothing else. I mean, let me guess. Was what LB was out there? Yep. CJ LB, which he's the only one I know because he went to Washington State, where I went. Uh, he he was there at the same time as me, so I know CJ Ellaby, uh, Drew Eubanks. You got yeah. three more. I'm I'm looking at the box score now, and I'm seeing the I'm seeing the first initial and last name, and I'm like, Can you name the first? Name? Yeah, yeah. And I'm going, Do I know the first name of the? That's that's where we're at right now. That's where we're at on these guys. Keith Smith would would get this, no problem. But yeah. Um, Okay, he li- tell you their starting lineup from six years ago. Oh yeah, yeah, and he would he would tell you the starting lineup of of 
a team over in Israel right now, and he would know it. Um, Elijah Hughes is one of them that I'm seeing. Oh, is it, is it Keon Johnson? Yeah, Kay Johnson's yeah, Keon Johnson, Keon the guy Johnson's they, they picked star, up from the Clippers. Acquisition yep, from the Clippers. That's yep. right. That's right. Man, that that is rough. That is that is rough. Our guy Ben McLemore picked up 32 minutes for them, but 28 points. 28 points for Ben McLemore on eight threes, eight of 18 from the three-point line. <laughs> that's an absurd amount of three-point shots to take in an NBA game. <laughs> that is that is peak. I'm getting mine for uh, for Ben McLemore. Everybody knows where they're at this season. But anyway, the, the yeah. big picture here. The Spurs are getting two wins. The Spurs are getting two wins. So if the Spurs pick up any other wins besides those two against the Blazers, it could be big trouble for the Lakers. Because remember, the Lakers can't just match the Spurs for wins anymore. They have to do better than the Spurs. They can't tie them. Because the Lakers no-showed a couple of times against the Spurs this season. And so the Spurs have the tiebreaker. The Pelicans also have the tiebreaker against the Lakers. So their back's against the wall. And that's to bring things full full circle back to the Russell Westbrook thing. That's what you wanted to hear from, from Russ. Is, hey, we understand the spot we're in. We're going to go all out. We're going to make sure that we don't do this to Lakers Nation. We're going to make sure that we at least get to the play. And we're going to make sure that we play at a level that is that brings the kind of effort required to win an NBA basketball game. It's not what we've seen so far, but we'll see. Maybe LeBron and AD coming back, maybe that gives you enough of a boost down the stretch to to pull this off. Um, Last thing I've got. The Lakers started against the Mavs their 36th different starting lineup on the season. 36 different starting fives. That's not easy to do. What role do you think that has had in their failures this season? Malik Monk mentioned it and said that that that, that was an issue. Yeah, I mean, obviously it obviously it matters, right? It's it's a part of it. Um like you can't you can't say it's not a part of it. Of course injuries are a part of why this season was is became what it became. Um but it's tough to solely blame the injuries. You know, like Kendrick Nunn out for the whole season. That 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 sucks. You know, when a guy who is your your fourth highest paid rostered player, um, or fifth highest paid rostered player, uh, you want him to be able to play at least a majority of the games, and he played zero, which is tough. Uh, you know, Anthony Davis obviously missed a ton of time. And if they if they were fully healthy the whole season. Would they be in the play-in right now at least? Yes. Would they be even maybe sixth? Yeah, sixth or fifth? Maybe. But I think that would almost be hiding the fact that they built a bad roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the injuries basically just exposed a very flawed internal method of building the roster. And for that reason, it's almost like I can't even blame the injuries all that much. Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, it's not ideal, certainly, to be shuffling things that much. And some of that, and some of that's not even injury. Some of that's Frank Vogel and just making choices and saying, oh, well, this isn't working, so let's try this. The next night, oh, no, no, let's try this. Some of those were coaching decisions, but some of it is certainly injury-related as well. It's not a good thing, but it also speaks to the fact that here we are. It's essentially the end of the season. If I asked 10 Lakers fans, 
that like really follow the team, what's the Lakers' best starting five? I'm probably going to get three, four different responses. I mean, there's no... And we, we were asking that question from last summer. Who's their starting five? What's their best closing group? We still don't know. We still yep. don't know what that is. And they never really stumbled upon that. They never figured that out. And again, that speaks to the construction of the roster where you just you don't have those guys that really make sense on the floor together to the point where you can say, yeah, this is it. This is our group. This is our starting group. This is our closing group. Let's go. They don't, they don't have that. Yeah, and so, again, injuries are a part of this. Mm-hmm. But it's almost like, I don't want to say a blessing in disguise, but it's like almost okay that the injuries happened because now we're fully aware of what's going on and the problems that came in the building of this roster. Well, and, uh, yeah. And that's the one thing that I've seen from Lakers fans who have said, if the Lakers miss the play-in tournament, which I think this is going to be the case regardless, but if the Lakers miss the play-in tournament, and this is why some people are kind of rooting for this, it's because there is, there's no denying it at all that this needs to be torched. Right? Whereas there's fa- some fans out there, and I don't think this is the case, but there's some fans out there that fear that if they somehow make the play-in tournament and go on a little run, then the front office can say, well, maybe it was really injuries and try to keep some of these pieces together. I don't think that's realistic. I think everybody knows what this is. But that's what I've seen out there is that kind of, of sentiment when I think I think it's been yeah. very, very clear that that's not the case, that this, this has not worked. And the constantly shifting starting lineups is one piece of evidence supporting that. Yeah, and I think another piece of evidence is last season, uh, you know, injuries, you could easily say were the reason. Mm -hmm. Injuries were the main reason the Lakers fell apart last year. And that didn't matter at all to the Lakers front office. So I can't imagine it coming back and mattering this year. They're not going to be like, oh, but it was injuries. Let's run it back. Like, wait, we just went through this last year when they actually should have run it back, and they didn't. And by the way, uh, uh, since Basketball Reference started tracking starting lineups in 1983, uh, the Lakers have used this season the most starting lineups of any team in a single season. Good so, Lord. Uh, so that's pretty. That's pretty cool. <laughs> you broke a record. We broke a record. Yes! Yay! Hey, broke a. This, this, this is a team of record breakers. It's been a record breaking season, Ron. That's what that's what we yep. can say. It's been a record breaking season. That's what I'm gonna say until opening opening day of next season. Oh my god. I'm gosh. gonna say, man, what a record breaking season that was the, that we all just went through. The Lakers have used more starting lineups this season than any team ever before. In the basketball reference tracking in, era. In the is, tr- in the common era. Wow. The last forty years. It's not a surprise. I mean, you hear that. Thirty six different starting like that's ridiculous. That's, that just sounds absurd. That many different start like that. That's difficult to do. Even if you're trying to, that's difficult to do, and still try and still while still trying to compete in basketball games. That's really tough. Um, yikes! That's the season it's been. That's the season it's been. 
All right. Well, I think we should wrap things up there. <laughs> Lakers Nation, let us know your thoughts if you're watching over on YouTube in the comments section about what's gone on this season and the things that we've discussed here today. If you're on Apple Podcasts, make sure you do rate, review, and subscribe to this show. Uh, don't forget that five-star rating. And, of course, the review. We certainly appreciate those. I love reading, reading all those. And then on, uh, on YouTube, make sure you do subscribe and don't forget to turn on those notifications as well. Ron, thanks so much for coming on here, man. I appreciate it. Yep, uh, you know, thank you for having me. And hopefully over these last few games, there's something in something something fun needs to happen over the next, you know, two weeks to to salvage, not even salvage, just to give us something to to go out on a high note with. Yes. Uh and get us to the offseason. Something positive. Please. We need it. We need it. All right, everybody. Appreciate you for joining us. Till next time. Stay safe and see ya. Hey, Drew Scott here, and I'm Jonathan Scott, reminding you that life's better with a home policy from American Family Insurance. They can help you get just the right protection at just the right price and help you save when you bundle home and auto. Kind of like Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It'll be just right for you. We love a custom build. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. Get a quote and find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.